welcome to another edition of Four Guys in a Comic, and we are pleased to uh, bring to you our special guest for tonight. We have with us uh, Jim Van Heis. Jim, how are you doing today? Uh, doing great. Oh, wonderful to hear that. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Uh, no problem. This is, you know, perfect time. Nothing's, you know, conflicting with it, so. Well, that's always good. Cool. <laughs> well, for our listeners that are unfamiliar with your work, maybe you can give us a little bit of lowdown on exactly who Jim is. Well, I first started collecting comics in 1963. And then in 1970, I was living back east uh, near Buffalo, New York. In 1970, I moved to Florida. That's where my grandparents lived because I had visited and I liked Florida a lot more than Buffalo. And when I was living in Florida, uh, because it wasn't that far away, I went and visited G.B. Love, who was publishing the Rockets Blast Comic Collector, which was a major publication in 1970. And also in 1970, I went to my first uh, convention, which was in Oklahoma City. And that's when I met my first celebrity, which was Buster Crab. Mm. And by getting to know G.B. Love, I, I decided to move to Miami, and then I, I worked for him when he was doing the Rockets Blast for four years, and then I took it over from him and published it myself. And then in the 1980s, I uh, was at a convention, and I met uh, Tony Caputo. I was interviewing him for a magazine I was working for, and he remembered me, and when they got the real Ghostbusters comic book franchise, he you know, decided to give me a call and ask me if I wanted to you know, try writing it. And so I wrote uh, the first two issues, which were a two-part story, and he liked what I came up with, and I continued doing it. I, I wrote uh, 26 out of the 28 issues of that first series that they did. I mean, I wrote other books for them, like uh, one issue of Twilight Zone, uh, Fright Night, number three through seven, and uh, gosh, it was about. And then after he, you know, starting picked up the Green Hornet, I was one of a couple writers who worked on the Green Hornet comics. They had at least three different writers on the Green Hornet. So I, I was going to jump back real quick. You know, you said in the beginning you started a collecting in 1963. I wanted to go back to that real quick. What were you collecting in 1963? <laughs> uh, Marvel Comics and DC Comics, and also uh, at Gold Key Comics, there were a number of titles. Like I started buying uh, like Magnus Robot Fighter, mm. I think with number three or something like yes, that. That's a good, that was a great series. And, the, and when Russ Manning took over Tarzan, I noticed that. And I started buying Tarzan when Russ Manning started doing it. Mm -hmm. Oh, those are definitely some great series and stuff. Uh, you're saying Marvel and DC in particular titles that you have, and I'm kind of curious. You still have that uh, collection from uh, when you were younger? I have a lot of them, yeah. Because well, I really liked Adam Strange, you know, Mystery in Space, mm -hmm. uh, and I started buying those. I think in issues in the '80s, and then I collected the back issues, and you know. I, got other DC titles. The Flash was always a big favorite. Like the first issue of The Flash I bought was 
now considered a key issue, number 139, which introduced the reverse flash. Mm -hmm. And then I got back issues of, you know, as many of the early ones as I could get, and because I just really liked the, the science fiction stories in those. Mm -hmm. And Marvel, of course, Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, basically all the Marvel superheroes. Oh, very cool. Was there a particular uh, writer that you really enjoyed back then? Well, I was more, at that time, I was more into uh, the artists, of course, at Marvel Comics. It was Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Mm -hmm. and it was the credited writer with Stan Lee, although, of course, later we come to find out Jack Kirby had a lot more input than we thought. Mm -hmm. Steve Ditko had more input than was credited at the time. Uh, as far as DC Comics go, I really like the Gartner Fox comics that he did, which were the Adam Strange, The Flash, things like that. So um, would you say that like there was anyone in particular that maybe um, influenced you or you looked at for uh, inspiration when you first got the first gig writing comic books? It was probably a, a combination of all the things I had read because I also got into reading science fiction books and, of course, I saw science fiction movies, and so there was just, you know, a huge cross-section of influences. Like, I even remember the first science fiction book I read was the Murray Leinster novel, The Forgotten Planet, because it had a giant monster on the cover of the paperback. Well, that's the thing. You know, a lot of the time back then, it's not like, you know, you have Internet or, you know, even magazines back then telling you, oh, these are the comics to check out or the books to check out. It's a lot of, oh, what is going to draw me in from that cover image? Oh, yeah. It's like I, I got into Edgar Rice Burroughs because of the big Burroughs boom in the 1960s in paperbacks. So all the Frazetta covers and things like that. Right. So, uh, you know, I kind of want to jump into Ghostbusters because that's probably like, the thing that you wrote most, probably most well-known for in the comic world. Uh, what Going into the Ghostbusters gig, uh, were you familiar with the uh, franchise and the characters and everything already? Well, yeah, from the movies. And they told me then, you know, well, this is also kind of a spinoff of the animated series, which I actually hadn't seen, but I was able to get in touch with someone who had videotapes of a lot of them. And I watched them, and I was able to pick up on the, the character interplay because the characters were established much better in the animated series than in, at that time, just one movie. Right. Mm -hmm. So in the animated series, you'd see Egon. Oh, Egon was the leader of the group. I see Egon was like Mr. Fantastic. He was the brain, and he would, you know, notice things and come up with ideas and and also just the uh, style of the dialogue, of the interplay of the characters. Very cool. So um, when you were working with your artist on uh, that book, uh, what kind of dialogue did you have between uh, you and them? Well, the way I actually did it is I would write a script which would basically have each page broken down, and I have captions and dialogue, and... I would say, like, how, how many, uh, say, captions or uh, panels to a page, and then after the artist drew it, now comics would send me the finished artwork so I could then generate a final script of the captions and the dialogue indicating in, like, on photocopies, you know, who was saying what. 
before uh, the, it was all finally lettered and inked. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of curious, do you have some of those original scripts still? I saved all my scripts. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that is That's awesome. very cool. Yeah, not everybody's yeah. done that. That's kind of cool that you have. Yeah, you know, being a collector, I, you know, I, I would never throw something like that away. Yeah. Now, do you have in your collection some scripts that never made it in, um, to publish? I have one Ghostbusters script that uh, didn't get published because the series ended, mm-hmm. and I have a Green Hornet script that uh, didn't get published. Mm. Are those available anywhere for anybody to read? Uh, yeah, I, I like I sell stuff on eBay, mm-hmm. and I sell things like uh, like a set of Ghostbusters comics or things like that. And I'll say, look, I'll include a photocopy of an unpublished Ghostbusters script. Or I did the adaptation for the comic on Ghostbusters Two, the movie, mm-hmm. and. On that one, they actually sent me photocopies of all of the finished artwork before it was colored. Hmm. And I have those, and for issue three of the Ghostbusters movie miniseries, uh, they had to cut off the last two pages of the comic because they changed the ending of the movie. There was like a an epilogue in the movie originally in the script, which they dropped, but it had all been drawn. Mm. And they say, oh, no, that's not in the movie anymore. You can't include that. So uh, with, like, these scripts and stuff that you were writing for Ghostbusters, uh, were your editors or anyone really kind of trying to push you in certain directions, or did you have a lot of freedom with what you were writing? Uh, I actually had a lot of freedom, which I understand is unusual from a lot of, for a lot of people, but I would write a script, I would turn it in, and, you know, they would read it to make sure there was, you know, nothing objectionable, and uh, then they would give it to the artist. Uh the only thing I couldn't do, and this was a bizarre thing, the person at uh, 20th Century Fox that approved all the licensing, uh, they didn't like puns, even though, of course, puns are all over the place in the animated series, mm-hmm. but I couldn't put puns in the comic book. Really? That's weird. You know, which was, that's really yeah, weird. It was just a stupid thing, you know, but that's the way it goes. Any good stories or anything that really sticks out in your head that you just really remember and cherish from that when you were doing that yeah i got to visit the set of ghostbusters 2 uh six months before the movie came out oh that is nice and you get to meet all the guys no i i got to meet harold ramus which i was you know very glad of because of course he died a couple years ago right and i got to meet the actress who uh played you know janine they're uh their assistant, who of course now is on TV on uh, the TV show Young Sheldon, mm-hmm. so that was great visiting uh, the set there and seeing. And I talked to uh, one of the producers, spent some time with him, and and uh, that was you know just visiting uh, the set there. And they were really rushing to get that done because that was in January of '89, and the movie came out in June. Wow, that's... And they were still shooting in January. <laughs> that's a quick turnover. You don't see that anymore. <laughs> no. Usually it's like, you know, well, we finished this a year ago, and then it had to go into post-production, and now it's coming out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
you know, after your days, whenever you finally put out the, uh, you know, the last Ghostbusters in issue, how'd they tell you that they were just going to end it? Like, uh, did they just approach you one day randomly and be like, hey, this is the last issue? Or did you have time to kind of, like, put together uh, something that was really uh, well just, thought out? Uh, basically, that the series uh, ended, and basically the company was doing cost-cutting moves. Mm. Uh, and so they started having, you know, one of their editors writing the comic, and they started a new series. They only did a handful of issues. Like they did a, mm -hmm. I think they did maybe three or four issues, and one of them I think was a 3D issue. And so that's basically what it was. But you know, I, I thought some of the best ones I wrote were near the end because I was doing you know single issue stories, mm -hmm. so there was no you know cliffhanger or, or problem in that respect. So after it was all said and done, and you're like, okay, no more Ghostbusters, uh, where did you think you were going to go with your uh, comic career from there? Were you worried, or did you already have things lined up? Well, I mean, I was writing books for a publisher who existed at the time who was doing books about movies and TV shows. So I was writing books about Star Trek TV shows and uh, science fiction movies and you know, all, all kinds of things, uh, movie serials. I did a few books about the old superhero serials from the 40s. And mm. so I, I was doing things all the time. It was just, so I wasn't uh, left out in the cold. And then now comics came back and uh, said, oh, we're doing the Green Hornet. Would you like to do some of those? So I, I did about a dozen issues of Green Hornet. So... Was there ever a comic at this point in time, like a character that you, or just a book, series, whatever, where you kind of had hopes that one day maybe I'd get to do this series? Was there any kind of comic like that? I always wanted, wished I could uh, have done like a John Carter of Mars comic, which of course there have been a lot of now, but uh, back then they would just go f first DC Comics had John Carter in the 70s, and then Marvel Comics had John Carter after that, and then uh, for a while there weren't any. That's just one I uh, wish I could have done. I mean, I got to know Danton Burroughs, who was Edgar Rice Burroughs' grandson, and so I visited Edgar Rice Burroughs Incorporated several times. They're right there in uh, Tarzana, California. Yeah. You worked on Ghostbusters, you worked on Green Hornet, and now you see, I guess, these kind of like pop culture and nostalgia things coming back they're like bringing back characters they're making movies out of them what was it like to see something like you know ghostbusters get rebooted or the green hornet movie uh hornet movie come out in 2011 or you know how how did that affect you in any way or did it affect you in any way well i mean i saw them obviously they spent a lot of money on the green hornet movie i just wish the casting would have been a little different mm, agree mm -hmm. but uh and the new Ghostbusters, I didn't quite understand what they were trying to do. You know, why reboot it? Why not do a sequel? Mm -hmm. you know, right. They did this strange reboot, and I'm sure that they'll eventually, you know, come up with another uh, take on it. Oh, yeah. Hopefully they'll oh, make yeah. it better than the last one. <laughs> Would you uh, revisit uh, doing uh, the Ghostbusters series again? Oh, I'd like to. I mean, I've written to current publisher who is IDW and but you know I haven't gotten any response even though they actually put out two 
trade paperbacks that reprinted every Ghostbusters comic I wrote. Mm. Oh, cool. Those came out about five years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And I wish they had contacted me because issue two, when it was published by Now Comics, they did not have page numbers on the artwork, and and as a result, some of the pages got mixed up. Wow. And they reprinted them that way with pages out of order because they didn't know any different. Yeah. Huh. And all they had to do was contact you. <laughs> all right. Yeah, it's something so simple. Actually, someone did contact me early on, and I thought they were going to you know, get back to me because they actually interviewed me for that trade paperback series, but for whatever reason, they didn't use the interview. Oh, wow. Huh. That's odd. That is odd. Well, at least they uh, anyone who is uh, who missed out on that interview is going to come back and listen to this one now, yeah. right? Make up, make up for that one. There we go. <laughs> so, um, you know, not... Uh, you're a writer, but have... You know, there's sometimes the idea that some writers now, I've seen it more often lately, um, have went and tried to dabble into the art world. Have you ever tried to, uh, you know, take a try or a stab at uh, doing the art as well as the writing for a comic? No, no, not uh, not like that. I mean, I've, you know, published my own books. I did books. I've published books about Robert E. Howard and H.P. Lovecraft on mm-hmm on the old pulp magazines because I'm a big fan of the old characters like the shadow and the spider. And yeah. The shadow knows. <laughs> I mean, the spider pulps in particular hold up amazingly well because they're very violent stories and they don't mm-hmm. read like something written 70 years ago. They, they read very modern, even though obviously yeah. they're set in the 1930s and 1940s. Yeah, I mean, they stand up to the test of time very well. Yeah. Now, we're kind of talking about the art. Um, Throughout all the different uh, books that you've uh, written, has there been any artists that you've really, really enjoyed working with that really brought your uh, story to life the way you wanted it? Uh, I'd have to go look up his name, but the (laughs) artist who did Real Ghostbusters number 15, which involved dinosaurs, he did uh, a really, really excellent job. Unfortunately, at that time, now comics would get sometimes be slow to pay. I mean, they always paid, but sometimes they'd get slow. And he said, well, I'm not going to draw the issue 16, which is part two of the story, until you pay me for issue 15. And so they wound up having a different artist draw the following issue. And it, uh, I mean, there were inconsistencies, and it obviously was a bit rushed. Was that but, uh, Jim uh, Wisniewski? I think so. I, yeah. I should have pulled out the books to have him here to look something <laughs> I just up. pulled it but up while we were talking. <laughs> he did great stuff because I, I was doing stuff uh, like some visual gags mm-hmm. that obviously influ- that were influenced by people you know, like Harvey Kurtzman and Will Elder. And I just described a scene where the dinosaurs... The characters are in the foreground inside a building, and the dinosaur walks by the window, and all of a sudden, the dinosaur is back, and it's looking in the window and reacting to the characters. And it was all just a visual gag, and the artist did it perfectly. 
Yeah, that's nice when an artist can actually get into your head and see what, understand what you want and put it down on uh, paper real well. This art style was perfect for the material. Now, is there a artist uh, when you were doing a lot more comic work back then that you always wanted to work with? Well, when I did the Twilight Zone for Now Comics, uh, I told them, you know, it would be great if they could get John Severin to draw it. But I believe at that time, John Severin was basically working exclusively for Cracked Magazine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I guess they were giving him all the work he could do. Hmm. So, of course, you I know, like all the old EC comics artists, and I did a book on Al Williamson, and I got to visit him. And that's cool. I'm actually a big Johnny Craig fan. So, yeah, I went through a giant EC phase where I was just—I I think I read almost all of Tales from. I read almost all of Vault of Horror. But I was reading like just like nonstop, like every day for like a month straight. I, re- I remember that phase. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was going back and trying to compare them to like the Tales from the Crypt TV show for the ones that actually based the episode after the comic or the, one of the stories in the comics and stuff. But um, yeah, no, I've always had a a, a really big like uh, soft spot for horror comics, and that's something I've noticed just looking through your comic book uh, database stuff is you ended up on, like, it, it seems random just because it's, like, you know, one issue or so, but you were on uh, Dread of Night, you know, Grave Tales, Twilight Zone, uh, you know, was there some reason that you only did, like, you know, one issue or one story in it, or, uh, you know, were you filling in for someone for any of these? Uh, well, it was like they just had different people doing Twilight Zone. As right. far as uh, Bruce Hamilton's comics, he only did, like, you know, a couple issues of the two titles, and I did one story for each, and then he just didn't do any more. And at one point, he was talking about reprinting them in color, but he never did. Because hmm. hmm. I like the story I did that Tom Sutton drew for uh, Grave Tales, which, which was about the uh, Frankenstein monster. So, Jim, we've talked a lot about the stuff you've done in the past. What are you currently working on now? Now I primarily uh, sell collectibles on eBay. I'd like to do you know, more writing, but the opportunity just hasn't presented itself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I still collect stuff, and I sell stuff on eBay. And uh, A few months ago, I started uh, selling uh, material for someone who has a big... Uh, cache of things that used to be uh, belong to Forey Ackerman because mm-hmm. people thought that well all Forey Ackerman stuff was sold at that auction you know a few months after he died now his collection is all over the place hmm. so basically kind of like uh, people can sign their stuff with you and you just start going crazy selling on eBay Oh, yeah, and you mean I have a lot of stuff of my own that I sell on eBay. I've been selling on eBay since uh, 1999. Oh, wow. So as a collector, uh, what is probably the, your most favorite thing that you've ever had in your possession? Well, many years ago, I had a, a nice Conan drawing by mm-hmm. Richard Corbin that he did back mm-hmm. in the 70s, Ooh, you know, before that's... he was well-known. Yeah, right. That's cool. That is, that's really cool. 
That is really, really cool, actually. <laughs> How'd you uh, stumble across it? Well, that was done for GB Love when I was working for him. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. Corbin was, was trying to get, you know, recognition, and and he contacted GB, and GB sent him, like, a couple, a couple of the Conan paperbacks, and uh, Corbin just did some really spectacular um, illustrations based on Robert E. Howard stories, and I think they're still some of the best uh, representation of uh, imagery from the Howard stories that anybody's ever done. Mm-hmm. I mean, Corbin's talent was was already very strong 40 years ago. Yep, and it, you know what? It's crazy because you'll still see him do work now. Yeah, he's, he's still do, working for you know various publishers. Sometimes he'll do stuff for Marvel and now you mentioned that uh, you went to your first con in 1970. <laughs> are you still are you now? Are you are you on the other side now? Are you uh, setting up tables and uh, doing signings and things like that at cons? I, I sometimes uh, have uh, a table at conventions. Uh, primarily, though, I just I just go to attend. Like there's a convention a week from today in Glendale, California. It's basically a a book collector's uh, convention they do one day, once a year. And there's a lot of uh, rare collectibles that uh, people bring there and just a lot of interesting stuff. And I just go there to uh, buy stuff for myself as well as to sell. Mm. Any particular types of books that you've been looking for? Well, I look for old pulp magazines, uh, Mm. old fanzines, fanzines there were so many done yes over the decades that are you know just now very obscure and you mm-hmm. find something and well geez i didn't even know about this you know? yeah now I, I love fanzines in fact uh marv wolfman did a fan magazine called uh, super adventures back in uh, the late 60s and i have i've gotten a hold of two of them so far i want to say there was a he put out 11 total uh, issues in the fanzine and i have the heck of a time finding any of them i have alerts set up on my ebay account for probably like the last i don't know 10 12 years and out of all those years i've only been able to find these two and <laughs> that's it that you just can't find them anywhere and i talked to marv about it one day and he was telling me that yeah each one of these he only produced about 125 to 150 copies of each fanzine in his basement and out of those he threw many of them away because the copies came out of his print bad and then, of course over the years they just disappear so yeah. some of those fanzines they are just amazing i mean i love them but they are they you're right they're so difficult the ones that are almost impossible to find are the uh, ec fanzines mm. from the 1950s yeah, where they wow. would print like 50 copies mm-hmm. and some of them at least got reprinted in you know like some of the modern ec fanzines they've been doing like the new issues of squatrant and things like that they reprint uh material from the old fanzines mm-hmm. yeah unfortunately i don't know why fanzines aren't fanzines aren't as popular as they are they should be they're especially those older ones they are just amazing especially when you have you know the guest artist is uh, you know, Stranko or whatever, and you know, oh, back yeah. back when they were a nobody, 
<laughs> you look at some of the stuff that they did back then, it's like, oh my gosh, it's just so cool. Oh yeah, Don Newton started out just doing stuff for fanzines in mm-hmm. the 70s and basically you know, trying to break into comics, which he eventually did, but he had a hard time. He had to basically start out working for Charlton Comics before you know, DC Comics would even notice he existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a, one fanzine that I uh, took to... Uh, Neil Adams at a convention and I was showing and I had I want to get him sign it and there was a piece of his artwork in there he's like oh my gosh I, I remember doing that back in 60 something I completely forgot about that I, I haven't seen this in a in forever <laughs> so, yeah it's pretty cool pretty cool with that stuff um kind of know we got a little off track I want to ask you about uh, you mentioned you wrote some books yeah well b- beside the movie books and you know Star Trek and movies and stuff like that I've self-published books on Robert E. Howard where some of the material in it I wrote, others are material which I reprinted from obscure fanzines or even from APA fanzines. APA fanzines would have like 30 copies an issue because they were just going out to the members mm-hmm. of the who contributed to the APAs. And the same with the H.P. Uh, Lovecraft uh, book I published, uh, Fantastic Worlds of H.P. Lovecraft. Now were these... And I got a really nice I'm sorry. Now, were these like uh, kind of reprints of some of those uh, fanzines uh, as a collection type of work, or you just went in depth talking about the creation and the the, well, the it history was of it? Each chapter, each chapter is by a different person. I would you know reprint articles that they had done mm-hmm. for uh, various uh, fanzines over the years. Some of which had you know more distribution and recognition than others, mm-hmm. and. I have also some new artwork in there, and the Lovecraft book has a real nice painting by uh, Robert Knox, which is a wraparound cover on it. Mm. Now, are these books available on Amazon or Kindle, or where can people pick these up if they want to read one? Oh, those these are basically books uh, that you can find on eBay, because mm-hmm. either from me or from other uh, dealers who uh, bought them over the years, because like the Lovecraft book came out in uh, 99. The one I did on Robert E. Howard, I did in 97. I did one on Edgar Rice Burroughs in 1996. Mm-hmm. And so, and the ones that actually sold out, you know, you'd have to, you know, just find someone else who has them. But, yeah. you know, I printed an average of like 2,000 copies when I did these, so they're, they're not impossible to find mm-hmm. at all. But since they're out of print, uh, the prices on them are all over the place. Of course. Now, you said you sold some on eBay. Uh, what is your eBay user ID if somebody wanted to uh, purchase one from you? Uh, eBay user ID is Jim Van Heist. That's J-I-M-V-A-N-H-I-S-E. That would be my uh, eBay name. Okay, great. So I'm be listening. If you want to pick one of them up, that's where you go. All right, I know I've been hogging the spotlight a little bit over here. Alex, did you have some questions for Jim? Um, no, uh, well, I guess there's always a few. I always have something. <laughs> I know you um, Something that we ask, like, almost all of our uh, guests, or most of them anyway, uh, Jim, is there anything that you are reading right now, or is there any comics in your short box that you're into? Or your pull box. <laughs> your pull box, yeah. 
Well, the comic, the one comic I've been following for a long time is Invincible, which is what about to end? I have to. It just ended. Yeah. Just ended. I have to go on eBay and find the issues, the final issues to pick them up. But uh, what? There's 150. It went up one, to something like that. 144. But uh, yeah, I like that one very much. Yes, we talk about that a lot on the podcast. I'm a, I'm a huge Invincible fan myself. Yeah, he uh, he placed a bet with me over uh, the month of December for Christmas. Um, I was at issue 30 on Invincible, and he was like, I bet you you can't finish the rest of them before the 1st of January. Well, I uh, read all 100 in like 12-something issues or something like that, whatever it was. 13 that were left and um i won a copy of uh uncanny x-men uh 133 i think it was 135 135 yeah yeah because i finished all the hundred and something comics uh so i got a lot of invincible in a very short period of time (laughs) yeah i started reading it with issue number 11 it was recommended to me by a friend oh wow and so i've been reading it direct regularly since issue 11 yeah, same here. I mean, that I just I'm, I'm going to miss it. I already miss it. It was just such a great series, and I know you haven't read the last issue yet, but they left it to where they could have gone it for years. That one issue had so much stuff in it that they really Crickman could have gone years writing this stuff. I was, I'm surprised he would stop it because obviously the Walking Dead comic is not going to end anytime soon. Yeah, and plus you know the movie you know rights and all that stuff are currently in the works for an Invincible movie. It's like why? That doesn't make sense to me. I, I I wrote a letter to Kirkman asking him that question. I haven't got a response back yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, besides Invincible, anything else? Not that I follow regularly. No, uh, yeah. some books will come out that, that I'll, uh, you know, say look really interesting. Like uh, I was really following anything that Darwin Cook was doing. I especially like the New Frontier. I like to go back and reread that. I actually read that when it was first coming out. I also really liked the book Starlight. It was what, like a six-issue miniseries, mm-hmm. which was basically what if you know Flash Gordon was now in his 60s and he had a chance to go back and do it again. And it was just a really good concept because here he's like 65 years old his wife had died and basically no one uh, most people on earth don't even believe his story that he went to another planet and saved the lives of these people and overthrew a dictator and he's wondering you know what was this all about you know what did this what did i really accomplish and then a spaceship lands on his front lawn and a boy gets out who's from that planet and he says We've been invaded. We need you. And it just really takes off from there. And it's just a terrific story. Sounds interesting. I've, uh, yeah, because I'd never heard of it before you just mentioned it just now. It's in a, it's been collected in a trade paperback. So it's, you know, it's very easy to, uh, to find. It's, a per, it's the perfect length for, of a story to be a movie. It's just a six issue comic. And it would be, make a perfect two-hour movie. Hmm. Has all the right beats, you know, beginning, middle, end. It's everything works perfect. 
And now's the age of the, the comic movies, so perfect time for something like that. Yeah, right? It's comic yeah. book everything, it seems like. But uh, all right, Jim. Well, you know, we're about to hit, I think we're just over the 30-minute uh, mark. Yep. And so uh, that means that it's going to be like the tail end of our interview and our podcast today. Um, is there anything that you wanted to promote or put out for yourself, uh, maybe your website where you can find your collectibles again? Well, just like I said, you know, I sell stuff on eBay, and I'm, I'm always, uh, you know, looking for interesting things, uh, to, you know, buy and sell, and like I said, I, I still collect things of my own. I have a lot of spider pulps, which are mine, which <laughs> I like to read. Very still cool. Weird Tales, I like issues of Weird Tales with Robert E. Howard and H.P. Lovecraft. All right, then. Well, we just want to thank you, Jim, for coming on the show and talking with us. I mean, it's been a great time talking to you, learning a little bit more about Ghostbusters, Green Hornet, and all the uh, other things you've written. It seems like you're quite busy, or you used to be. I don't know if you're still as busy as you used to be, but you, you, you still write and stuff now. I mean, I don't well, know. For myself, but, you know, mostly I'm just, you know, putting stuff on eBay every, every day. I have what they call an eBay store, which has things that are at buy it now prices and i've got like seven thousand items in there oh wow but you know it's been built up over years yeah you know putting things in there well i'm definitely gonna be checking that out after we get off the phone here yeah, i know exactly <laughs> so I'm gonna, you got I'm me a, curious as to what you have <laughs> i'm an avid ebay condensor so <laughs> but uh, well jim we're gonna have to wrap it up from here it has been wonderful talking with you we really appreciate you taking the time and uh, getting us a chance to uh learn about you and uh, talk, chat about all the great and wonderful things you've done. Well, good. You know, always enjoy conversations. Yes. <laughs> yes well, sir. you are welcome back on any time. Okay, well, I'm I'm here. You got my number. <laughs> we do. We do. <laughs> well, thanks again, Jim. Oh, you're quite welcome. feet up and open up a brew and talk about comics and all that fun stuff in between cheers I, I, brew, I, I, yeah i see that yeah, you got cheers. a captain america glass going over there with some beer in it is that what i see over there alex yeah exactly it's a civil, civil war war Good stuff. my uh local comic shop did a um civil war like premiere party thing and it was hosted <laughs> by a uh, local bar and so they made a uh, glass together so you got a collectible oh, glass. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. They or they do that often though. So, yeah. So what are you guys drinking right now? Uh, Boulevard Irish Ale. Cool. I'm drinking a uh, beer by the Great Divide called the Colette, and it's a farmhouse ale. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've had that one. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's like uh, for a farmhouse ale, it's like. I think 8.1% alcohol or something like that. You don't normally Whoa. get that high of an alcohol percentage with a farmhouse. That's a kick, yeah. 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 It's good, though. I got my, uh, got my Coke and bourbon going, so, you know, I'm good. <laughs> Mike, just just sticking with the whiskey, that's all. 
Yeah. Uh, at least you got something that you're going to say, like, water, because you can't have carbs. No. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be Speaking next time. I'll tell you what, guys. Trying to eat with this man is, like, it's impossible. Fine, unless, you I can convince, <laughs> unless you can convince him to have a cheat day, trying to eat with this kid is so yeah. hard. <laughs> and those cheat days, uh, yeah, they, they, get, they shock some people, too. Yeah, when he does have a cheat day, though, holy shit, watch out. Yeah. He puts it away. Yeah, we we <laughs> Wait, showed Waffle what? House. We showed Waffle House what's up. Yeah, <laughs> so the people at Waffle House were quite impressed with, yeah. with what we ordered. Yeah. Oh, man. Did you run into Skittles again? No, oh. we went to a different one. <laughs> oh, okay. I had to ask. Uh, no, speaking we of, went to a different one. Speaking of alcoholic beverages, I don't know if you guys heard recently this last week that uh, Coke has a new product coming out. Only available in Japan at this moment, but you can get a can of Coke mixed with bourbon in it. Yeah, see, okay. I heard this because um, they're gonna. I saw like a vending machine because you know how they have like alcohol and vending machines and stuff in Japan yes. and whatnot. Yeah. And um, yeah, Coke's gonna try and make a can product for it. So I'm like, all right, let's see what this is. Yeah. Wow. Oh. But you know, the, the, their whole rationale was is you know people like to mix Coke with yeah. their bourbon. And they yeah. figured, hey, why not capitalize I'm on surprised, it? Which I can understand. I'm surprised it took them so long. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. been... Even like the energy drinks had these weird cocktail things for sale years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm just surprised it took Coke this long to get the memo. Yeah, I know, definitely. You know, and on top of that, you know, I heard the, f- the funniest story, you know, the other day, which I had to kind of, you know, bring into the podcast tonight was... Uh, oh, oh, University, and they didn't name the university. That's what I want to know is who, which university it was. But a university recently did a study on alcohol uh, and you know the people drinking it and how much they spend and it's basically a lot of spending habits. And it turns out the average person you know, spends, they, according to them, about $2,000 a year on alcohol. But from that, when they, get, when they drink, the average person will spend $450 on basically internet purchases oh, just <laughs> drunk drunk shopping oh <laughs> yeah yeah i'm so glad i do not fall under any of those categories i know Holy i I, cow. Yeah. I know and i'm, I'm thinking about it. i'm listening to this i'm thinking about it. it's like you know i can just i'm just picturing in my head you know a bunch of guys in a dorm room you know all with their drinks in their hand just you know yeah you know we got to get our thesis done we need we got to what, what are we going to come up with you know somebody's like well, what are we do about drinking yeah yeah let's do with drinking i, I just picture this this guy in in the recliner in the back with the, you know his feet up and his bourbon in his hand tilts his hat up it's like well why don't we do it on people's uh spending habits and what they how much they spend on ebay drunk yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a great idea <laughs> so you know that and after i heard that i had to reach out to some of our listeners about you know have they ever been drunk buying comics uh on ebay and I, there's quite a few people and I know I'm guilty of doing it, and I wanted to hear about some people's, you know, remorseful decisions of things that they bought. I think the funniest one is we had a listener who purchased 14 copies of My Little Pony issue number six for his two-year-old daughter, who cannot even read. Was this gum? I I can't remember who it was. I think it was key issue. I'm pretty sure it was Smokey. Oh, yeah, Jesus. what? I know. Why I'm... fourteen issues of cop of issue six? <laughs> like, is it a key uh, issue or something? Say a one or a four. I'm gonna hit them both just in oh case. Oh my god! 
That's hilarious. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. And that's not even like issue number. Like I could be like if they're like, oh, it's issue number one. It's I was drunk and thinking like you know college savings. This is issue six. This is like nothing to do with anything. <laughs> exactly. And why do you need so many copies oh of it? <laughs> but uh, there's something they did else come back on. and say that he, he was able to return them. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. And I was, and I was thinking it's like you know I did that once. You know, I remember. I think it was last year. You know, the four of us were recording a podcast and we were talking about uh, Shazam. And I was drinking pretty heavy when we were recording. <laughs> and while we were talking, I got on eBay and ordered Shazam number one. <laughs> I, I have it still. I don't know why I got it. I don't need it or want it, but I got it. <laughs> okay. I had an incident, like, I think it was. It was a few months ago. It had to be a few months ago. Anyway. I get, you know, I do the Facebook auctions on, you know, the live ones and some of the ones in different groups in the comic rooms and Facebook and stuff. And um, they'll do auctions on there. And I, I was used to bidding on them and, you know, buying stuff sober or whatever. But I don't know what it was. I don't remember bidding on this many things. It must have been something <laughs> bad or something like that. But I got a box and it had like... 30 something issues of silver surfer in it and then a whole bunch of other random stuff that i didn't like i don't remember why i would even bid on it in the first place it's like random stuff okay and i'm sitting here i'm like what did i do but i got this giant chunk of silver surfer that i'd been missing and it luckily they were all like two dollars a comic i found out that i bid on them Mm -hmm. so i made a smart decision basically but I got this box, and I was just like, why is this box so big? Like, I, I, I'm not used to getting this big of a box. I, I don't remember ordering this many comics. And I look at it, and I'm just like, oh, man, what, what, did, I, what did I do? What did I do? <laughs> How do I explain this to Reagan? All right. <laughs> oh, man. How about you guys? Have you guys done anything like that? Um, I can't say I've ever been that bad. I've... I don't think I've ever gotten too drunk where I actually buy stuff, but what I'll do is I'll add stuff to my cart most definitely. And then I'll, I'll tell myself though, you'll wake up tomorrow and decide if you actually want this stuff. So I've never, I've never gotten past that point, thankfully. Cause uh, I mean, the cart's full. I mean, I, I get a little more drunk and I'm checking out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the more you just yeah. empty that thing. I didn't need this. Yeah. Thankfully I don't have many responsibilities. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I uh I don't I don't get drunk. Um I have when I drink I have two, maybe three beers top. So I uh I haven't been drunk in probably ten years, so I have never ever <laughs> done something like that. Mm-hmm. Um and it's probably a good thing too, yeah. considering I have you know, a family. <laughs> you also have expensive like was, tastes with all those hardcovers you want. Well that's mm-hmm. true too. But if I was I don't know. I guess if I was no, because I don't really drink. I don't like getting. I don't like the feeling of being drunk. I just like having a couple of drinks and calling it good. So I don't. Yeah, no, I don't think I would ever do that. Uh, I've heard a lot of horror stories of people that have or people that have even taken Ambien before. Oh, and wow. like they they have those that weird section where it's like you either have to fall asleep during this time or you're gonna be out like wandering the streets. <laughs> and uh, I used to work with this chick, dude. No joke. She was, uh, it was bad. Like, it got to the point where she started to drive on Ambien, oh, and she doesn't remember any of it. 
She'd like oh go God. to Walmart. She'd wake up the next morning. There'd, she'd have like 80 <laughs> bags in her apartment. And she's like, what the fuck? She finds oh a receipt at, like, from like 3.30 in the morning that says she was at Walmart. And the only thing I can think to myself is wow. like, what do you look like to the people yeah. at Walmart? Like, do you look like a zombie? Are you coherent? Like, what is going on? That's when you she's go like, to like, www.peoplewalmart.com. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, with, it was funny because with her, it started off with stuff on Groupon. <laughs> like she would wake up the next day and like three hundred dollars would be missing out of her bank account. Oh no! Like, what the hell? Just, she goes looks on Groupon. And she, she would buys, keep like, taking all, Ambien, like, anything and everything. And and she would just keep yeah. Taking oh yeah, it. she would. So, oh my god. Yeah, it was bad. We we told her she like we were concerned for her after a Good while. Lord, we were like, you yeah. really need to stop. It's a lot this. of purchasing. Yeah, you need to go back to the yeah. doctor. Maybe consider another medication. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. So, I mean, I've heard a lot of horror stories, yeah. but yeah. Wow. You know, well, that's something. Well, let's talk a little bit about comics now. I know we've been talking about alcohol and ambient and all that stuff, so why don't we just leave that into our conversation tonight. Guys, can you tell me some of the superheroes that have substance abuse problems? Oh, Iron Man. Iron, yeah, Tony Stark. Classic, uh, yeah. What's uh, his yeah. name? Century. Bob Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has a heroin yeah. problem. Let's not forget uh, Speedy. Good old Speedy. Yeah, Speedy. Would, don't forget about He's Speedy. clean now, I guess we but would, I mean... Yeah, I guess we would consider Nuke also, right? Nuke definitely, would, yeah. yeah. Methamphetamine problem, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, who else, guys? I mean, there's a bunch of people that I guess. I mean, have had Batman's some kind definitely of abusing steroids, right? So. Right. Yeah. Do we want to say yeah, Bane and his venom? <laughs> yeah, Bane. Yeah, Bane's venom, abusing yeah. that steroids. Yeah. yeah. He calls it venom, but we all know what we it know is. what's up. Yeah, exactly. Well, I got a list of a few here. We can kind of go in and talk about them a little bit. I know the very first thing that everybody mentioned, of course, was Iron Man, which you think of, you know, demon in a bottle. Yeah, and yeah. Bottle, yeah. I'm actually reading you know, that right now. It, yeah, you know, that's basically what, uh, uh, you know, he the the stress reaches crescendo. You know, when his armor malfunctions and he accidentally kills that diplomat, and turns out that it was Hammer that was behind the malfunction. And from there, you know, just weighs heavy on his mind, gets to drinking and pushes everybody away. And what was cool is he acknowledges it and asks for help towards the end of it. Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah, but that's mm-hmm. the classic cover. That's the cover everyone Beautiful thinks cover. of. Just mm-hmm. that horrible yeah. look on his face as he's looking in the mirror and the bottles on the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you talked about Batman a little bit. Here's this story a little bit of the storyline see if you guys remember this you know after failing to save the love is the the life of a young girl yeah. uh batman becomes obsessed with becoming stronger for that he turns to the performance enhancing drug called venom yep. uh in the substance that later powers bane as we know yeah. and the pills that uh for him that he wanted you know the dark knight is stronger faster more aggressive but you know as, as we know it took a toll on him besides becoming highly addictive uh the venom, you know, he scrambles his mind and makes him take strange pleasure in inflicting violence. And you know, I, I mean, I, we can keep talking about that. Do you guys remember the storyline? Oh yeah, what that was it? the um, yeah. that was in like Legends of the Dark Knight, right? I forget what issues, Legends but Legends of the Dark. Yeah, it sounds yeah. kind of cool. When was it written? It's a powerful story. I think Dennis O'Neill wrote it. I don't remember who did artwork. If it was what year was it? Yeah, um, ninety-eight or something. Uh, something like that, that. sounds yeah. kind of cool I'll, I'll maybe check. right up my alley you should check it out man. yeah it's a great he story he it is and he just go, endures all these various stages of addiction and then the denial and you know all the stages of everything and uh, basically in the end 
Alfred locks him in the Batcave for 30 days to go cold turkey. Hmm. I don't know, man. If I had to go cold turkey and I was locked somewhere for 30 days, I don't think my first choice would be the fucking Batcave. <laughs> <laughs> He's facing his fear. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's facing uh, more than that. The many faces of fear. Yeah. Now, one person I thought you would mention there, Matt, one of your favorite people, Moon Knight. Mm, yeah. I'm really surprised yeah. you didn't mention Moon Knight. You know, he has his uh, little substance abuse with his uh, <laughs> medication cocktails. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, Moon Knight's dope. I'm actually going back mm-hmm. and rereading a lot of the old Moon Knight stuff right now as we speak that's cool mm-hmm. so is he always into uh, the uh cocktails no, no. it was something that definitely came later on okay yeah. um initially in the very beginning like in the when he was first introduced like in the 80 like in 1980 i think is when his first run started um they there was really no mention or anything of that. i think that's definitely stuff that like once people started exploring his multiple personality disorder, like more writers kind of started exploring that, I think mm-hmm. that's where that kind of stuff sort of came in. But yeah, um, one one of your favorite people there, Alex uh, Flash Thompson. Yeah, he has an alcohol problem. He really had. Yes. He has a really really bad alcohol problem. Really mm-hmm. bad. And that was basically. Does he still now that he's Agent Ven or Agent? Andrew no, he Venom, hasn't had he it um, since the tail like, end. Didn't he, kick it? he kicked it for sh- at the very, very tail end of um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Space Knight. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, he yeah, he yeah. separated from the uh, symbiote, and the symbiote went to a planet and led him there, which was a <clears> bar, <throat> and was drinking. The symbiote was acting like it was drinking. It was like mm. basically like showing this is you. You know what I mean? And it yeah. was it was pretty cool. It was like a powerful like uh, issue, uh, just because it made uh, Flash deal with it like kind of head on, looking at something that you know he takes care of. It's a part of him. The symbiote's a part of him, mm-hmm. and it's sh- it mm-hmm. showing him when it's supposed to be the bad thing, the bad person he is. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that was you know that had he had some really cool storylines in there. You know, basically you know from him being in Vietnam, he got became an alcoholic because of the combat uh, memories that he was having, his PTSD, and basically his abusive uh, drunkard father who also died from cirrhosis of the liver. I I recently found out that uh, Captain Marvel is an alcoholic, or was. I did not realize that. Yeah, I was reading um, Matt Fraction's Iron Man, and her and Tony Stark meet at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. And Mm -hmm. uh, turns out Carol Danvers was an alcoholic at some point. Fun fact. Now, did you know, speaking of captains, Captain America, do you know he had a substance abuse problem? Of course, super soldier serum, yeah. Yeah, well, (laughs) beyond beyond, beyond that, you know, know, (laughs) kind of, sort of, you know, while he was investigating a drug ring in New York City, Captain America gets caught in a meth lab explosion. There you go. And, you know, and basically... Yes, and the drug bonded with the super soldier serum in his blood, and it turned Cap into an insane, paranoid tweaker. <laughs> he beats up Daredevil. Yes, wow. and he interrupts the Kingpin's dinner, eating all the food, and says, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> What <laughs> is this issue? Okay. Uh, who wrote this? I can't remember this? who wrote it. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna look yeah, this up. Right I know now. this sounds great. Of the tweaker. Yes. And uh, basically, the Black Widow finally gets him under control, and Cap detoxes at the Avengers Tower. But yeah, there's a whole big page of him just going bok, 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 bok at the at um, Kingpin's dinner table. <laughs> <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, guys. <laughs> this, only in comics. Oh, yeah, right here. That's crazy. It says, uh, that time Cap was addicted to meth. <laughs> what? It looks like it was an old yeah. run. I'm looking at the art. It looks like it was a 80s, yeah. Seriously? Because that's, that's good stuff, too. Um, yeah. I'm trying to pull it up. I want to see who wrote it. It's going to end up being like Simonson or Grunewald or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was yeah it was oh, I called there it. There you go. I called it. There you go. Yep, it was Mark Grunewald. Mm. Everybody's over here posting stuff. Like, it's on Reddit, and people are like, God, Grunewald's run just got crazy. <laughs> crazy and, and then someone else said, I just started laughing when I remembered this. Mark Grunewald is awesome. Right. Okay. There's more Cap to be read, that Nova. Oh, Captain yeah. America 375. Okay. There I got to get that far. Yeah. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. I need to go read that one. That's incredible. Yep. If you want to see Cap going, bok, bok, bok. Oh, my goodness. He looks like he wow. hasn't shaved in if, like a day or two as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd expect something like this from, like, Nomad, but not the Cap himself. I know. Cap's a tweaker. I wonder if that'll be an Infinity War. Right? <laughs> oh, really? Oh, man. But if you want some other comedic type of uh, substance abuse problems, Martian the Manhunter. What? Okay, so, yes. He Martian loves, Manhunter? John Johns. Yeah, he loves... Yeah, John Johns. Uh, he loves uh, Choco's cookies. He loved them a lot. So he, um, his fellow Justice Leaguers, oh, Booster Gold yeah. and Blue Beetle... Um, eventually, yep. with you know, they went to a ten-mile radius and bought up all of the cocoa cookies that they could find. So John finds himself without the cookies. So he embarks on a Hulk-like rampage, ripping apart the city <laughs> in search of more of these Oreo-like types of cookies. Yep. And after the league finally gets the situation under control, Batman analyzes and reveals that the cocos have a narcotic effect on the Martian physiology. John is literally addicted to them. And at the end of it, it's like, you're a junkie, Batman, you know, explains. And Coco's junkie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> a Coco's yeah. junkie. You can, I know. I remember reading that, actually. Um, was that JL, Was that part of the JLI run? I don't remember. Now I gotta look it up. I feel like that yeah. might have been part of it. I remember reading it, though. Um that's hilarious. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Just imagine. Um, yeah, it is. It's from JLI. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, well, it's from the JLI run. So I'll give you one more little comedic JLI thing. was known as being a really funny book, too. Yeah. You know, like, overall, in general. <laughs> Can you just imagine Kevin that? Conroy's voice going, a Coco's junkie, and that being just, like, the end of the <laughs> episode? <laughs> You're a joker. <laughs> <laughs> and then they oh, come back and they do like a G.I. Joe style PSA. G.I. Joe! Oh my goodness. No hey, kids! <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you know that if you're a Martian. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, I'll give you one more little comedic uh, story here. You know, back in the old DC universe, uh, DC Comics was so nervous about Superman's drinking alcohol that they recalled Action Comics 869. Do you guys remember that? 
Nope. Mm-mm. No. No. The original cover for Action Comics um, 869 showed Clark Kent drinking what looked to be a beer with his dad, and DC Comics recalled the issue, adding the label soda pop to the bottles to make it clear that the Man of Steel was not drinking alcoholic what? beverage. And if you look at the cover, there's some of these covers are still out there, and they're a little bit on the pricier side. And basically, you know, him and his dad, they're over the picket fence with yeah, you know, I'm the, looking at it the house in the background. Yeah. yeah, and the original one, it looks like just a beer bottle, but it doesn't say yeah. beer or anything on it. But then they just, like I said, they recalled it and put soda pop on top of it. Yeah, the original one said root beer or something like that, and then they changed it to soda pop. Oh. Yeah. But, you know, times changed because with the new 52 version of the DC Universe, DC Comics didn't appear to have to be such sticklers about Superman drinking. In Action Comics number 15, Superman shares a toast with his elderly landlady. Now, sure, Superman tries to resist. He tells her, a toast? I don't drink, Miss N. But, of course, the Man of Steel is no match for Miss N's overwhelming charms. So, you know, Miss N goes in there saying, well, you're Superman. A little alcohol can't hurt you. Just this once for me. So Superman gives in to the peer pressure and takes a drink. <laughs> it's like, really? Right? Does it even <laughs> work on him? I, well, here's the thing. <laughs> Superman 3, the movie. You've seen Superman 3, haven't you, Alex? Please tell he me you've seen, seen the I've first seen one. the first oh, one, and I've seen the second one, but I don't think I've seen the third one. Oh, the third one, he gets rip-roaring drunk. He's in a bar <laughs> drinking, flicking peanuts, uh, destroying glass bottles that are behind the counter, and then using his heat vision to melt the, the glass mirror that's over by the bartender. Yeah, alcohol doesn't do well with Superman. Mm. <laughs> that's kind of funny. You know why he was allowed to drink uh, drink alcohol in that one? Because it was Grant Morrison writing it, so they just let him do whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Bendis will bring back the alcoholic mm. soups. Yeah, that would be kind of cool to see him going on a rampage. <laughs> what are you talking about? This beer was mixed with red kryptonite. It caused oh, him to no. go crazy. Oh. Mm. Let's not do that. Yeah. Oh, so I know we've been talking about you know all these comics with the drinking and the substance abuse problems and stuff. you know there's a lot of stuff in there you know is it appropriate for kids is it not you know a lot of that obviously is you know how they wrote it into the story some of those stories like demon in a bottle really that was really well done um but there was a lot of comics out there that just were not done well at all and i'm just going to kind of direct to a site called uh, www.ep.tc forward slash problems if you want to see comic book pages and strips that are just really inappropriately drawn and put together that should have never been in comics, this is the place to go because they have a list of 74 problems. And you find a problem, for instance, it could be from anything from, oh my gosh, uh, VD to PSD, burned victims, you name it, drugs, alcohol. They've taken the time to go through just endless comics and pages and put all this stuff on their website and i know i showed you guys some pictures earlier this week of one such thing that that was put out there is a 1942 u.s army um put out a six by five inch pocket guide on china now this is 1942 
And I'm not going to go too much in depth because this thing is just racist <laughs> as hell. And you guys have to agree with me. This thing was pretty racist. Yeah. 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 Oh, is that what you should do? Yeah. 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 Yes. So basically, it teaches you how to identify a Jap, Japanese person. You know, they weren't even politically correct with their tiling of all this stuff. Talking about eye structures and how they speak. And, you know, you read this and you're just like, oh, my God, this this would never pass today. Never. Well, I mean, yeah, we did that one pulling ads episode where we, they were selling the Hitler stamps in the dang comic. So, yeah. wow. I mean, it was a different time. Yeah. It was. You know, but yeah, you just, you just see that you just kind of shake your head. And I found, actually, I found it on eBay, 150 bucks. To, to, you can still buy this in fairly decent condition. But uh, <laughs> That's crazy. I just, wow. Now, oh good things, God. things are a little bit better, you know. But in some ways... It, some things have actually gone really far to the extremes, I think. Um, if such case. Okay, I, I know you... Alex, I, I'm waiting for you to chime in as a child of the 90s. Superman, the animated series. Superman was, was dope. Awesome. Okay, Spider... I mean, that Spider-Man... It was a great series, but can you name me a single instance of Spider-Man punching somebody in that show or anyone punching anyone? I mean, that's kind of true. Um, with Spider-Man and stuff, it was more of like, oh, we're going to jump and duck and dodge. And I mean, every so often you would get like an episode where someone picks someone up and throws something at someone or someone picks up a character and tosses them out somewhere or whatever. But it was never really like full-blown fight scenes or anything. Yeah. Well, that was done deliberately. The producers had set a set of rules stating that Spider-Man couldn't throw punches. He couldn't toss anyone through glass put children in jeopardy, have anyone touched by fire, or even say the word kill. I don't think... So instead of getting murdered, Uncle Ben moved to Canada. I don't know if you remember that. What? I don't remember <laughs> that. Yes. I don't remember that either. And I yeah. feel like, I mean, maybe I skipped the first season, but I feel like I just watched a lot of those within the last year or so with my son, too, because I was showing him, like, all the, like, you know, the 90s cartoons mm-hmm. and stuff, and I know Spider-Man was one that we, we watched, um... But there was well, then again, though there was a lot of Spider-Man ones in the '90s. There was uh, the main one. There was like that Spider-Man the animated series that came out like in '94. Mm-hmm. That's um, a good one. And then there was like Spectacular Spider-Man. There was Spider-Man and his um, friends was like early mid '80s, late '80s. Mm-hmm. There was another one where it was like Spider-Man that was voiced by Neil Patrick Harris. I think that was like in the late '90s, maybe early 2000s. It was like all CGI. Yeah. yeah, it was weird, but yeah, no, I still fondly remember that show, though. I yeah. I enjoy it to this day. It's like the X Men '92, Batman the Animated Series, Justice League Unlimited. All those shows are awesome. Yeah, but it's like in that show. I mean, do you remember the cops? They they had all those uh, futuristic, non lethal blasters. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It made me think. It's like even GI Joe. Nobody ever got killed in that show. <laughs> Nobody, nobody could hit anybody. They're like stormtroopers. They couldn't hit anything. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was bad. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, and now today, it's not an issue. You see people getting shot and killed and maimed and all other types of forms of death. Well, I mean, in um, X-Men, the animated series, you saw people, like, die. Morph died, and then he came back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
people died and got hit and wolverine stabbed stuff even though most of it was sentinels and everything else uh, yeah he could only he could only do like robots he couldn't he never yeah. actually yeah stabbed a person it was only mm-hmm. like robots. he'd punch them and knock them out but he wouldn't stab them mm-hmm. but uh yeah but. no I, I know what you mean though i don't know though i feel like 90s cartoons are a little bit more brutal than cartoons today mm-hmm. you may agree with what me you mean more you might agree with me, Matt. Yeah. Like, it was more action-oriented and stuff for 90s. Like, I know they have, like, some, like, action cartoon stuff now, but it wasn't, like, SWAT um, cats where they're going in and, like, shooting them with planes or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no. Yeah, 80s and 90s was definitely all action because 80s, I mean, you had, you know, He-Man and Transformers and mm-hmm. G.I. Joe and all of that was non-stop action pretty much yeah it was um, yeah same thing with the 90s you had the you know well late 80s early 90s you had the ninja turtles power um, rangers you had x-men 92 power Rangers. yeah i guess because today's shows all the stuff that my kids like are all yeah no i gotta agree with you man come to think of it there is no action in today's cartoon no, it's all goofy stuff everything mostly. yeah yeah it's all goofy shit like my kid loves teen titans go i hate Teen Titans, but guys, I like Teen you, Titans. I'm cool with yeah. Teen Titans, but not Teen Titans Go. That's just dumb. But Young Justice is supposed and to like, be coming back, right? That show had yes, action. Yes, 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 yes. Young Justice is coming back end of this year um, for season three. So hopefully that'll be a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, if you think about it, you're right. They're really a lot of these I've, cartoons nowadays are like, well, Rick and Morty. I wouldn't call it. They're kid not a cartoon, kids cartoon. But it's all kind of that. Yeah. Like Gravity Falls and all that other stuff that kids watch. It's not it's Stephen not Strange it's all and all of, that. Yeah, it's a more yeah, like Steven story universe. Yeah, yeah. yeah Stephen's universe. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if they call him good story, but yeah, stupid comedy. I mean, I admit, I like my uh, what do you call it? Uh, superhero Squad. <laughs> oh, dude, Superhero Squad was dope. Yeah, that was meant for like two year olds though. But that's <laughs> that's still dope. I love Superhero Squad. <laughs> Squatties, squat up. Squatty, yeah. <laughs> no, I love uh, Superhero Squad. Yeah, yeah. I made Riker watch that when he was like two. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. But no, kind of going back to the eighties. You know, in the eighties, the UK, uh, in the United Kingdom, oh, UK they were, was much different. Now, yeah, because they were um, scared. They went batshit for ninjas. You know, the idea that everyone is about to put a black pajamas on and overthrow the monarchy really terrified the UK. So, you know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ended up paying the price because of this. Now, since ninjas weren't allowed to appear in cartoons and the British censors were so cruel to deprive the children of all this stuff, you know, but they still wanted to have the turtle mania, they reached a compromise that the word ninja was edited out of the theme song and the show was retitled to Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. So it was like Teenage Mutant Hero turtles, hero turtles, teenage turtles in a half shell. Yeah. Mm. Instead of go ninja, go ninja, go ninja, go, go, hero, go, go hero, hero, go, 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 go hero, go. <laughs> yeah, actually, I would love to find some copies of the British version because I understand they also did a lot of editing with the uh, audio and the and cut a lot of scenes out. I want to oh, see wow. how badly they butchered it. See, that's crazy to me because. Um, also, back then, um, they there was a lot of, uh, like, the Transformers UK comics, for instance, that were mm-hmm. big in the 80s. Um, they Those were a lot darker 
um, yeah. than like the Transformer Marvel comics in the '80s. Like the UK comics were were a lot darker and had much more serious tones, and people would die and things. So I that's just mind boggling to me that the word ninja like freaked him out. Yet in Transformers and everything else in the UK version, it was a completely different. Well, world. it was a different time, Matt. I mean, people worried about weren't worried about robot overlords, um, you know, popping up and taking them over. I mean, it's a totally different time now. You know, AI is going to go crazy, and we're all going to yeah. be slaves yeah, to now, the robot race now. here in the next ten years. But yeah, yeah. Hill Optimus Prime. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> that was. God, that you know, think about that nineties were huge in AIs taking over. I mean, it seemed like every movie and comic series had something with AIs taking over. Yeah, especially in the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Everyone had that Y two Y two K scare and Y two K. Yeah, and everyone's like, All right, yeah. the computers are the enemy now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think Terminator I, I think Terminator two brought a lot of that and t2 came out in 92 91 i thought it was 91 92 maybe was it 91 yeah i just remember t2 came out and i think that's kind of where a lot of that that uh nervousness Mm kind of came from was definitely with the start and also for the time i mean hell even to today's standards t2 is still an amazing Mm -hmm. movie special effect wise as well but back then can you i mean today it still holds up but can you imagine and i like i remember that movie won like a bunch of awards for uh all the crazy special effects i remember Um, watching the theater on when it came out on opening weekend (laughs) Wow. Yeah, T2 was It was great. just like, oh my well, God. Well, then what was, what, okay, you know, you saw the effects of Star Wars when they came out, Michael. And you saw, like, mm-hmm. the effects standards of where it was with T2. Uh, to you at that point, was it like, oh man, how do they do this? Like, were you, like, amazed in mm-hmm. that way? Oh my God, yeah. You watched that and it's like, how would they do that? How's he? Yeah, look like the, the liquid metal. Oh my god, dude, that was insane. He yeah. they won so many awards for special effects for that because movie. they didn't have computer CGI stuff Mm-mm. like they did today. That was just like, how? Oh, and you just you get that shiver down your spine. It's like, oh my god, that is like so cool, so real. And what also made it cool too, you know, I'll be honest, you know, I grew up where all that stuff was being filmed, and it's like in the mall. You know, the Glen Oaks Galleria, that's the mall that I was at all the time as a kid. You know, I was always on that elevator where the Terminator was going up. I'm just like, that's my mall, you know, and when they're going through the basin, that's the California River. You know, I know exactly that location. I could drive you there right now. It's just like, and because that added to so much more to the movie when I was watching it, too. I recognize all these spots that they're at. And then you put in that special effects. It just the movie is just to this day. It's still, yeah, it still holds yep. up. Yeah, I mean James Cameron though. That dude's always kind of been on the forefront of mm-hmm. of pushing visual boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean it started with Terminator, and then I mean look at Avatar. Like he yeah. took 3D to a whole nother level when Avatar came mm-hmm. out. Um, I mean that dude's constantly mm-hmm. pushing the visual boundaries, but. God, I love Terminator so yeah. much. It's so funny we're bringing this up because, you know, this week I've, I've been slowly catching up on my TV programs. And as you guys know, I don't watch too much TV. So I've been slowly kind of catching up lately and I've been binge watching. Oh, so far behind. And I, yeah, this last couple of days I've been, I started binge watching uh, season four of uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. 
no, Agents of Shield. Oh yeah. And in there, you know, they have that their, that AI uh, girl in there, that android that they have. Oh and they, yeah. And they kept making so many references to the Terminator and other, you know, '90s and 2000 AI, you know, movie references. And I'm just like, oh my god, yeah. It just that season was so well done with a Ghost Rider and everything in there. Oh. Yeah. No, that was actually pretty decent. Yeah. I'm so far behind on that show, though. I think I saw that season. I think that was, like, the last I've seen. Yeah, that shows you how far back I am. I'm just now getting to season four. <laughs> I've only seen two episodes of Jessica Jones. I mean, that <laughs> dropped this last week, and normally I would have binged, like, all episodes by now, and I've only seen, like, the first two. I've only seen the first episode of season one of Jessica Jones. Oh, well, you're real far <laughs> behind. Yeah, like I say, I'm trying to, make, I'm trying to catch up these days. So speaking about us, what about you guys? You guys binging anything lately? You guys watching anything? Um, well, I've been watching. I know this is random. This is really, really random. But um, I've been watching a lot of early '90s wrestling and um, a lot of WCW. You know, back before whole, uh, Sting had the black and white face paint and stuff. Uh, when he was super colorful. When he was super colorful mm-hmm. before Hulk Hogan joined WCW and left WWF and stuff. And then also, um, I've been listening to a lot of wrestling podcasts that have been talking about Japanese wrestling, like from the late 80s and uh, early 90s. And I have been went back last night and I was watching a lot of Bam Bam Bigelow stuff from Japan. And that was really cool. Oh, yeah. But... Um, Back when he was doing cartwheels. And... Yeah, flips and stuff at 400 pounds. It's yeah. ridiculous. He yeah. does a backflip, a moonsault off the thir- like the top rope, and it's insane. And you're just like, how does a 400-pound man get over like that, you know? It'd blow your mind. Yeah. But um, other than that, like for, I guess, non-wrestling stuff, um, I've been watching uh, Hey Arnold. I mean, I know that's really, really what? random, but I've been... <laughs> wow. Hey, football Yeah, head. I went back and I started Same. watching Hey Arnold again, and I could sit there and bust out, like, four episodes in a row, like, no problem oh. binging it. I, I don't know. It's oh, weird. I try to go funny. back and watch uh, old cartoons from when I was little, like, you know, every so often just to see how they hold up, if I can still have the same attention span to them and stuff. Uh, Dexter's Laboratory, totally can do it with that. Which he has no problem yeah, with. Yeah, with this, I have no problem with <laughs> Hey Arnold. I can just sit there and just, like, bust it out. You know, it's fine. I can watch all these episodes yeah. in a row still. But then I tried watching Doug the other day, and I I don't know. I couldn't get back into Doug. Hey, Doug. Yeah. Honk, honk. Dude, I love Doug. I love Doug too, Doug but I mean, great. I couldn't sit there and watch more Patty than two mayonnaise. episodes, one episode. No, I uh, one because I was sick for like two weeks, and so when I was sick, uh, one of the shows I started watching again, I realized it was on Netflix, and I was geeking out. Was uh, the real Ghostbusters cartoon mm-hmm. from uh, the late '80s, early '90s? Yeah, and I was like, yes, I love this show. Um, so I was, I was really stoked to be able to watch. They have like all five seasons on uh, Netflix right That's now. That's cool. So awesome. I was really excited to be able to go back and watch the the real Ghostbusters. That's cool. That's cool. Now, Alex, you mentioned you're, you're binging all this uh, wrestling stuff, so i got to put in a shameless plug right now. Well, I'm thinking about it is, you know, for you listeners, tune in for next week because I think we have somebody coming on who can talk a little bit about uh, stuff they've done for wrestling. Yeah, I know, right? I'm a little jealous <laughs> that I missed out on that. But. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> me and her could have became uh, best friends tonight. We could have we could have became best friends. She'll, she, Next time. she'll be back. Yeah. 
She'll yeah. be back. But yeah, just just tune in for that one, all you uh, listeners yeah. out there. But uh, what about you, Mike? You binging anything? Um, nothing as exciting as Hey Arnold. I've just been watching uh, Planet <laughs> Earth Two. Man, that shit oh, is cool. unbelievable. <laughs> they have the that? most amazing fight scenes. Like they literally have hot eagles kicking each other and like dodging each other's kicks. It's amazing. It's so in detail. Are you talking? Are you talking about the National Geographic? Yeah, the BBC or thing, Planet Earth Two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it is no, I, unbelievable. I, I have, actually, I have it on Blu-ray. Like, there's there's insects that glow in the dark. Uh, incredible. Like, uh, that's that's so cool, man. And they go into they imagine. go into stealth mode and they just chase down millipedes. It's unbelievable. I just imagine you sitting in your hotel room getting a little, you know, and then just back and yeah, man. It is unbelievable. These birds are so cool, man. So cool, man. As long as he's not dude, touching like himself. A, it's like, <laughs> dude, it's like a superhero movie, man. I'm telling you, these hawk fights are unbelievable. It's so cool. <laughs> It is so cool. It's slow motion and everything, and there's epic music. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) That's cool. Now, it just reminded me the one random thing that I've been binging with my wife in the evenings has been Alice. You guys ever watch Alice? Is that the one that's based on Alice in Wonderland? No. Mill has a diner, you know, the flow. Kiss my grits. Nope. Oh, guys, no. oh, oh my gosh! Great seventies classic TV show you gotta watch. Before my time, Red Skull. Before my time. That's what I'm saying. You gotta watch it. It's great stuff. I mean, this show lasted like nine seasons or something like that. That's actually a lot it of had time. A, I think on two, air. two two spinoffs, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was a, it was a good show. But anyways. So I think probably time to wrap things up. Been going on for quite a while now. Unless anybody else has anything else they would like to throw into the pot. Uh, yeah, real quick. So um, Alex kind of <laughs> sort of challenged me um, to amazing. read uh, uh, okay. Hyperion um, this last week. It's only six issues, so I was like, sure, why not? Um, so I did. I, I read Hyperion and. First of all, I have to say, it's much better than Alex ever let on. Um, he did not do <laughs> a good cardies, job justifying the justifying the book. Um, it's actually a pretty it's actually a pretty good read. Um, I feel like the last like two issues it kind of fell off a little bit, and apparently that's because there was supposed to be a start of a new arc, and then Marvel canceled it, which is yeah. why it kind of had like this weird abrupt ending, um, which sort of makes sense because I it did feel weird um right there but aside from that um it you know um uh who did it get chuck uh, yeah is that yeah it was actually well done um we gave alex a lot of shit you know in the past because it a lot of shit his portrayal um (laughs) are trying to describe and summarize this book to us he did not do a good job of um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it is. It's actually a. Re- it's actually a really well written. It, it's a pretty yeah, fun yeah. book. Um, I will say that. Exactly. But that also being said, I want to see if I'm the only one on this page. <laughs> when he would say carnies, and when he would tell us that Hyperion was battling carnies, is it just me? Or did you guys also picture little people when he said carnies? Yes, little carnival folks running around with yeah, little... Yeah, small hands oh. smell like cabbage. Like <laughs> yes, that's, exactly. Yeah, okay. 
clown, maybe a clown outfit and a big oversized hammer in a hand. Correct. Correct, right? Like, that's what I was picturing, too. So the whole time I'm reading this book, I keep waiting for this army of little people to, like, come out and start attacking Hyperion because yeah. that's what yeah. is in my head yeah. when Alex was describing this book to us. What he meant by carnies was basically just circus freaks. Um, there are no little people in the book at all. Um, it's all like just like this weird <laughs> yeah. contortionist guy and like this worm boy and like this is all these like weird characters. Like there's basically circus freaks. So don't go into it thinking, <laughs> oh my god, he's gonna be attacked by a bunch of little people. Um, that's what I thought. So right? basically, That's it's like American too. horror uh, circus freak kind of people. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> That's really what it was. It's still really well done, but I do think it would have been really funny had it been a bunch of little people attacking Hyperion the way, like. <laughs> The way Alex described it, like that's how I pictured it in my head. So I kept waiting for this like pen ultimate issue of like these little people attacking Hyperion, and it uh, never happened. And I went, "What the? F- where we have what? got to get Chuck on the show to talk about that to tell him how Alex explained it in our thoughts." Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he'd be offended or not, mm-hmm. but uh, 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 yeah, I've read I'm it though, and the book it, is actually good. It's actually a really solid Most read. Definitely. I do recommend it. Like I said, it's six issues. The last two oh, issues are kind of meh, and. After finding out that it was supposed to be longer and then was canceled, that makes sense. Um, but overall, though, it was a fun read. It's a quick read, um, and I did enjoy it. So I do challenge you guys now to go out and read these six issues. Do it um, for for next week. So yes, Nova, you should to- totally do it. I know you have the time. Yeah, I- yeah. It's. I think I read all six issues in like an hour. It was. It's a quick read. Yeah, yeah it's a quick. Yeah. Read. Does that mean Red Skull's gonna um, read it too? Yeah. I'll, I'll give it. I'll, I'll read it. It's, I'll read it. It's, it's, okay. I know you're sitting okay. there, and I y'all made fun of me for it and everything. But now I have a second guy saying it's good. I have the the, the yeah, second no, was, opinion it was, now. It was a fun read, and um, I may have uh, dropped the ball on making y'all think that these are some intimidating looking people or whatever. But, or, you know, you thought there were yeah. little people and clowns with hammers and squeaky shoes and Hong Kong yeah, here's a flower exactly that's going to hit you with some thought. water. But no, it's not like that. It's <laughs> it's creepy. And I don't know why he doesn't do the worm guy yeah, justice. It's more the worm guy is so weird. He, I don't understand his power. But at the same time, when he used it on Hyperion, <laughs> it was like, that looks gross. Okay? Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Erased, so I'm interested to see what you I guys think. Also, <laughs> um, reading challenge. We've been discussing this for a few weeks now. Nothing's ever come to head, so I'm going to make it official on the podcast tonight. Um, Michael had originally challenged Alex to read all of Invincible, which Alex did. Alex then threw out a challenge to me and Mike. It was more of a race um, to read to read the two oh, yeah. complete epic editions yeah. of uh, of Man Thing. Um, which, I've, yeah. which I, which I, which I feeling I'm going to be tasked here in a second. Yeah, which I flew through <laughs> because I honestly thought that Mike was going to take a vacation day just to beat me, and like when I get in my head like that, I'm very, uh, I'm very competitive. So I was like, I can't lose, I gotta win. Um, and then it turns out like, I read it all in like two days, and then come to find out, Mike's like, yeah, I read like one issue. I was like, oh. <laughs> and you found a I favorite like, story while doing it, so it's cool. I did, I did. There, there's a story arc that was absolutely amazing. It's a two issue arc um, called Night of the Laughing Dead, and it was, 
Um, probably one of my all-time favorite story arcs in any book. It was so, so incredibly good. Um, but overall, Man-Thing? Eh, we'll see. Um, so anyways, so we've all been challenged except for Michael. Yeah. Michael has yet to yeah. been challenged. We've Bring it on. We've I'll read anywhere it. up to 50 to 100 issues. You name it, I'll do it. We've discussed it, and we've thrown it around in the chat, but we've never actually made it official. Um, but in looking well, back yeah. at it, I'm yeah. thinking we might Alex, have you to should up definitely the read it as well. There, Mike, because originally we wanted you to do yeah. Grant Morrison's Animal it's, Man run. Yeah, it's the best. Um, thing. It's the best thing ever. But yeah, looking back, it's <laughs> only like 26 it issues, and I'm like, yeah, give well, me a we've, all done, we've all done. Well, it's I still so want good. you to read that. So I'm thinking maybe we do like two shorter, two shorter runs. Okay. Because we still really want you to read Animal Man. It is by far one of Mike and I, both of ours, um, yeah. one of our favorite runs mm-hmm. of all time. Good time. Um, I've read it. Yeah. It's yeah. On my I've list. read it the ones. Mike's read it like eight times. I'm going to read it more. It's. It is incredible. Like the first, the first few issues, you're kind of like reading sort of like a normal kind of book i guess you could say a little bit and then it just goes off the deep end and gets really weird and gets really kind of in your head and it's jeff john it takes you jeff on, john's takes green you lantern ride. um so jeff we're john's challenge green you lantern to do like the 20 i think it's 26 that? or 28 issues that's a of, big one uh, grant morrison's animal man <laughs> that's a big one man with um, but with, that being said we have to come up with something with else because that's night, not all this stuff as lengthy as, as, well. as the other runs that yeah. we've done so we got to up the ante a little bit what else do we yeah. want him to read let's collectively as a group come up with something what what's another yeah thing that we want yeah. to okay read? it's got to be something that he's not normally <laughs> reading correct first. it has to be yeah, something put me, out of, put me out of my comfort zone I, that's fine jeff john's dude that's i like, mean granted that's it's like 100 it's not a slow it's not a dense read like it's i'll do all 150 it's it's a relatively quick read like the it is amazing it is an amazing freaking run but it's it's three (laughs) omnibuses worth that's a lot of stuff technically four that's like a a lot of stuff i don't know if you should make him do all that and yeah no i'll do it i will take that challenge greenland we're gonna talk to you like six months from now when you finally finish it all because it's so much oh i don't read as slow as you alex (laughs) it is quick paced yeah, it's not super wordy or anything, but it is, it is amazing. I'm surprised. I've never heard anybody say that they didn't like that run. I, w- um, I was totally going to throw out there, um, and this would maybe be something that uh, Matt would be into more, but I, I don't think that it would be something that uh, Michael would ever read, but I was going to say The Crow. Oh, yeah, that's only like mm-hmm. eight issues, though, oh, six okay. issues. That's not, that's never not mind. very long. It starts. Yeah, it starts the, as the original one, graphic novel is only like six issues, seven. It's not very lengthy. Uh, and so far, the thing that you've, that's piqued my interest the most that you've talked about is Green Lantern. All right. Oh, sir, wait till you read Animal Maybe. Man. You got to read Animal Man though. We got to get an, like Animal Man. Animal Man has to be first. Okay. Yeah, Animal Man is just one of those books that I think everybody should read. And you said Grant Morrison's run. Yeah, I'm Grant Morrison's run. I think it starts. Yeah, he, what issue does one. it start on? It yeah. starts at issue. Does yeah. it? I thought it started like in it's the middle. Stuff. Oh, just looking at these covers. Mm-hmm. Now I can't remember. I thought it started in the middle. Yeah. Like Twenty-six issues. That's like a, a day and a half. If that. Yeah, I think I read like thirty something issues yesterday. So I mean, it's definitely. Yeah. <laughs> 
What is it, Nova? It's Come on. It's big. I'm pulling it up right Mr. now. Oh, no, it is. It's Animal Man 1 through 26 and Secret Origins 39. 1 through 26 of Animal okay. Man. So Animal Man 1 through 26 and Secret Origins 39. <laughs> Secret Origins 39. Yeah. And then... <laughs> Should we make? Are you sure you want to tackle all like? I think it, like I don't know if it's 150. I'm just throwing. Maybe that you should just tell there, the first it's, omnibus. It's pretty lengthy. First omni. Okay, let's do the first omni, and then if you like it, we'll we'll do the rest. Okay, what volume is that of Green Lantern two? I'm pulling it up right now. It is. I want to give you the exact issues. Um. Okay. So volume one, dude. It's like a bunch of minis. Are you ready? Are you writing this down? Yeah, I'm right. Okay. <laughs> All right, so volume one is Green Lantern Rebirth, one through six. (laughs) Green Lantern Core Recharge, (laughs) one through five. Green Lantern, one through 25 by Jeff Johns. If you just look up Green Lantern by Jeff Johns, you'll find it. Um, So Green Lantern, one through 25 by Jeff Johns. Mm -hmm. Green Lantern Corps, 14 through 18. Why is all these random... Because there's a bunch of tie... There's a bunch... They all... There's tie-ins at all. How about just a series of straight issues? One through 150, right? Animal Man's the only one. Um, (laughs) Green... And then here's some one-shots. Green Lantern, Sinestro Corps... How about you just send me a a snapshot of that? Forget that one. (laughs) All right, I'll send you a snapshot of it. Never mind then. So basically, we're challenging you to read the Animal Man Omnibus and Jeff Johns Green Lantern Volume 1 Omnibus is basically what it boils down to. All right, challenge accepted. All right. Ooh. I haven't even done that one yet. Well, damn it, guys. Pick something. But the problem with that one is that one I that one I can't do digitally. That one I want to yeah, read that's the one. physically. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like the art hold. I don't feel like the art holds up digitally on that one. I feel like that one's more <laughs> of a. All right, Red. I'm sending you, you the photo now for Animal or uh, not Animal Man, but uh. Yeah, I'm trying to find the Animal Man right now. Green Lantern. Animal Man one through twenty six. <laughs> Great. Grant Morrison. It's on our favorite website. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I'm only finding the 1988. Yeah, that's it. Oh, that's the one? Yeah, that's, that's it. The, yeah, I'm surprised they kept the book issues. going, honestly. No, you're only reading 1 through 26, <laughs> yeah. though. Oh, I got to stop at 26? Grant, well, you can keep going, <laughs> yeah. but Grant Morrison's run is only 1 through 26. Right. And Grant Morrison's run is... Like, after you finish his run, I don't even know how you could keep reading that book. Like, after you finish that last issue of his and the way that he ends it, I don't know how you could keep reading with anybody else writing. Yeah. (laughs) He's going to be done tomorrow. Like, the way he ended it, it was almost like the book should have just ended right there. All right. All right. Well, I will start, and I will report back next week on my progress, where I'm at. Dope. Fantastic. And then I got one for y'all later on. Oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. One I haven't even read yet. Oh. All right. Give us a hint. Maybe I want to get started early. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> no, I don't know. It depends. It depends. Because Man Thing was at least somewhat intriguing to me. 
It was something you weren't well, used to reading, last... at least. Let's see if I can find. I'm afraid he's going to tell us it's like War Stories, Volume <laughs> I'll 9. I'll be cool with that. That's fine with me. But if it was like George Perez's Wonder Woman run or fan, or something like that, then I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. Or uh, if he was like Nick Fury in Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., I might be down, depending on which run. No, nope. no. The Steranko S.H.I.E.L.D. Omnibus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, I can't even bring this yeah. stuff up. We'll see what happens. I like yeah, these anyways. challenges because it does make yeah. us read things well, that I'll, we normally I'll, wouldn't read. I'll, I'll bring it up, like I said, when it's closer to time. Okay. We'll, we'll concentrate on mine right now. Sweet. All right, Animal Man and Green Lantern. It is on. And if he it's comes back like- and <laughs> says that he hates them, I'm going to fucking scream. We're going to... Uh, yeah, you'll. I mean, they talk about Animal Man enough that I'm sure you'll yeah. love it. Yeah, all right. Well, it's on. All right, so we're going to wrap things up here. I got my challenge, and we'll talk about it next week where I'm at and uh, my thoughts on it. Awesome. Perfect. Put, yep. So until then, everybody, kick back, relax, and just remember, just, just pit in your head. Fuck, 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 fuck. Oh. Good night, everyone. Oh, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Do it. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>